0: Hello everyone, welcome to another episode of the Photographers Keeping It Real podcast, and happy 2024. I hope everyone's having a great new year. I hope inquiries are where you want them to be. I'm um, definitely seeing a bit of a trickle through now, um, although not quite as busy as some Januarys. But uh, yeah, I hope it's going well for you, and the year forecast looks good. On today's episode, I'm welcome Alex Bainon. I had a really wonderful chat with Alex. Um, we talk about Alex's own podcast to have and download. We look at Alex's history in the video game world, transitioning into photography. Um, we talk a lot about mental health, clinical depression as well. So a small trigger warning there if um, if that's something that uh, concerns you. Uh, we talk about shooting other genres alongside weddings. We talk about street photography. We also talk a little bit about the wedding industry awards. Then for members only, we talk about Alex's 2024 how that's looking we talk about marketing and inquiries diversifying into other genres a little bit more as well and we finish up with awards so yeah if you are a member remember to use your url and uh, you'll be able to listen to the full version of this podcast the awards round one for 2024 so the first round of the year Uh, always an important one obviously the more rounds you enter the more chance you have of getting into that top 10 and being the photographer of the year etc come december That's open and you have until Tuesday the 30th of January, 23.59 hours UK time to enter. So if you are a member, uh, jump over there and you can enter the awards now. Um, If you're not and you want to join, just go over, join and yeah, you can enter up until that Tuesday the 30th and good luck if you are. And yeah, let's get straight in with Alex. (music)
1: keeping it real Photographer's keeping it real This is our podcast We've never done this before We practice just a little bit So we apologize if It's a big shit I not so good Oh
0: yeah Photographers keeping it real, we keep it real cause we like the way that it feels. Cool, so hey Alex, welcome to the podcast. Hey dude, thanks so much for having me. You are very welcome. So um, I will go back through your, your history a little bit, so I'm interested in that, and um, you made it very handy for my research with your Instagram post with um, interesting oh, yeah. facts about me, so that was very handy, <laughs> so maybe I should request all my uh, guests do that. But um, I'll start with the the podcast because obviously I've enjoyed listening to your podcast and it's nice having a fellow podcaster on. So yeah, so you obviously run To Have and Download podcast, which is available everywhere-ish, I think, isn't it? All the major places that I've looked anyway. I think so. Yeah. I think so. How's it going? Why did you start a podcast? Start, I guess. It's quite new, isn't it? Like, what was the ideas behind that? Well, I'd, I'd been doing a
1: podcast with two other photographers that was just an audio podcast, um, cleverly titled The Tog Pod. We just sort of talked about pretty much all things photography on that one. And it was really, really cool. But because there were three of us trying to get the three of us tied down to record an episode and things like that. I mean, I think we managed like six episodes in about three years. We kind of got to the point where it was like this, you know, we've just not got the time to do this. But I really enjoyed doing the podcast and I really enjoyed having guests on and I felt like a a guest driven podcast is much more enjoyable to host and to listen to and I was looking into different things and obviously now you can do the the video based podcast so you obviously you can upload it on Spotify as a video and you can listen to the audio but you can also watch the video on your phone and I thought that was really really good for a photography podcast because obviously when guests are on talking about their work you can have their their work on display and, you know, they're talking about a particular image. So, yeah, and so obviously sort of working in the wedding photography industry, there's so many cool people to talk to. And also it's a great excuse, as I'm sure you've found, just to speak to these people that you probably maybe see once or twice a year at events, but it's really difficult to kind of sit down and just, you know, I just want to have a chat with you because I love your work and all this kind of stuff. So it's kind of like it's an excuse for me to get some, one-on-one time with these photographers and sort of like learn about them and what they do and how they do it. And also it's just, it's, it's a nice project uh, for me to do. So it's kind of, yeah, I, I think it's, it's, I think it's been received. Well, I don't know how many people watch it as, as much as listen to it, but um, yeah, the only downside is like doing the video editing on top of the audio it is very time consuming, but um yeah it's going well man really enjoy it but yeah I've definitely definitely not putting out as many episodes as I was hoping to just from a just from a time point of view
0: yeah well partly it's the summer as well isn't it, it makes it hard I'm the same I kind of thought I'll you know when you sort of re, you, when I was googling like how to run a successful podcast or whatever and everyone's like yeah you need you know consistency and put them out at the same time every week and so on and I was like yeah yeah right I'll do that and I drew, drew a schedule up but just so hard to stick to it and yeah, so I've kind of not really worked that out. It's another goal for next year. We'll see. See how that goes. But um but yeah, the video stuff like I it does make a lot of sense and like one of the reasons I started like the members um like zoom thing once a month so i get another you know i get a photographer on and we'll talk through their images and it's obviously that's all video based and members can go in and watch it whenever or, or come on the zoom live if they want and, and ask questions which is is good but um yeah it's because like i say it makes sense to show images and you can sort of explain mm-hmm. things a bit better especially when you're talking about things like composition or moments or so it's really good that but yeah i haven't really um i don't know i struggle enough just getting the audio and which i i'm kind of quite quick at editing now i can get through that but yeah i can't even my brain can't even work out how i would do both and edit them so they match and all the rest of it i don't know like it's um yeah it feels like a yeah it's a lot of extra work. but i really i enjoy the video ones and i've still got to get my mind away from just listening to podcasts like in the car or out for a run or whatever because that's kind of my Mm -hmm. main place of listening so it's that's where I i listen to a lot of them rather than watch them but it does make sense to be able to just put them on like on the iPad, I guess, while I'm sat at the desk or something, but um, it's good that Spotify do that. I think it's only like a Spotify thing, right? And obviously you could put it on YouTube, but I don't know if like Apple has video support, does it or anything? Apple podcasts?
1: No, no. So it's just Spotify. Mm, um, And it's really good because they now you can host before you had to subscribe to like podcast hosting websites and stuff. And it was like 20 quid a month or something. And they would then RSS feed it to all the various different players. Um, But Spotify last year or this year, I can't remember, now do a free episode hosting thing. So it's like, it's super easy to start a podcast. Um, And they do all the video side of things. And it's, yeah, I kind of, I don't expect people will sit and watch like the podcast for like an hour, hour and a half, like constantly, but because it's on the app, It's, you know, if someone's listening to it on a train or something like that, and then it gets to a bit where we're talking about uh, an image that's won an award or something, you know, they can just quickly open the app on their phone and the video will pop up and they can then see what we're talking about. And then when it gets back to just, you know, me and the guest, they can just go back to listening. So, it's you know, I can see people sort of just dipping in and out of the video, but it's there um i think it's cool for for the guests being able to kind of show their work as well as talk about it
0: yeah it's just an extra little thing isn't it an extra level and uh yeah it's cool uh yeah i like that i used to always just listen on apple podcast to everything and now it's more of a faff to like listen through like my amazon echo dot thing whatever they're called now in the office as oh, well. right. so i've just started listening to spotify more and it's less it's like less bugs and stuff i don't know but yeah it's just easier for me to like yeah keep where i am with it and stuff so um yeah, I think Spotify's doing a great job. Yeah, I sub- I have, like, a paid thing, so only because I have the members-only content as well, so obviously the extended versions have to have a private feed, and it's all a bit of a faff, and Spotify doesn't support right, that in right. a minute, and anyway, but yeah, that's cool. I don't know how interesting it is to people who are not running podcasts, but I just thought it would make... Um, yeah, I was just interested, really, because I think it's, yeah, something that's cool. So you did, like, audio design previously, right? I read that somewhere. That was your, kind of, past life?
1: Yeah, so basically, like pretty much from uh, like eight I was into sort of music and playing guitar and instruments and stuff and for like you know the first half of my life it was all about music and audio went to uh, music college um, where I sort of studied guitar and um, audio and mixing and mastering studio and all that kind of stuff Um, and then eventually Uh, started working in the video games industry and worked for uh, a game studio in Leamington Spa called Freestyle Games. And at the time they were helping um, Activision in the States on their uh, Guitar Hero content. So when I joined Freestyle, I was doing the gameplay design for Guitar Hero. So if you've played it, um, Mm -hmm. you know, you've got to play colored buttons along with the guitar that's on on the music track, and so we had to so like I would I would get a track and I would have to listen to it, and nine times out of ten I'd then learn to play it on the guitar itself, so that I could then translate that as best as possible into five buttons, so it kind of felt as close to playing that part as possible. So I did yeah the the gameplay markup for a couple of years, and then Activision bought the studio. And we'd been working on our own game called DJ Hero, which I don't know if you'd seen it. It was kind of the similar process. You had a plastic turntable and you had to scratch and stuff. So Activision sort of bought us because they wanted to take that game and and actually put it under the Hero brand. So for that one, I was working on the the mastering of the music audio that we'd get because it was using separate stems. So there'd be one track because you mix two tracks together in the in the gameplay uh, so we'd have two tracks and samples and things like that and once the um the music designers had made these mashup tracks we would then take them and sort of mix and master them so that they were game ready um which normally spent a couple of weeks down in um london at some of the big studios sort of mastering them did that for a few years didn't sell that many copies go down to well with uh, Activision so there's a bit of a, a moment where uh, yeah, we, we ended up kind of working with Nintendo on a karaoke game which I, um, I've um i long pushed to the back of my memory because uh, I'm not a massive fan of Carly Ray Jepsen but there we go. <laughs> and then did a few little bits for the Call of Duty franchise worked on some of their online stuff and uh, Call of Duty Ghosts did a little bit uh, and then Activision approached us to relaunch and re sort of design guitar hero so we came up with um the last version of guitar hero that, that was out called guitar hero live which kind of redesigned the controller um yeah tried to kind of put a new spin on things so for that role i was the i was the main mastering engineer so all of the songs we would get we would request from the bands or the the mastering houses all of the stems so that you know separate guitars drums all that kind of stuff you know half the time I put that into the um the DAW that I was mixing on and it would sound like it did on the CD straight out of the box which was great and then I just had to cut it all up into gameplay elements and things like that um, and balance it and that was fine sometimes we'd get the stems over and it, it sounded partially like the CD release so my job then was to A, B, it with the original cd release and then remix these stems to make it sound like it it should there were a few times where it just there were there were stems missing, there were instruments missing so we had to kind of like tap into some of the the guys in the studio that were super cool musicians and sort of they would re-record parts and you know if there's an organ piece missing and then put that in and you know do it in such a way and then have to get approval from the band as well and send it off and say Are you guys happy with this and they'd come back and say yep yeah, that's fine um so yeah it was super interesting because i got to hear some classic songs in their raw and mixed format you know things like the who and stuff like that and being able to just solo out the drums and listen to just like the drums on their own and yeah I did that for eight years working in uh, the games industry. And got massively burnt out by it. It is a, at least when I was doing it, it it was a very tough industry um, from a a work load point of view. Um, if if you know the industry, there's there's a, a term that's used called crunch, which is basically all the studios are up against deliverable milestones, and in order to hit those milestones and those builds of the games, they're just based basically expected to work as many hours as it takes so i think at one point to get one particular milestone for guitar hero live i think i did a 27 hour day in the studio what needed to be delivered went home got about four hours sleep and then i got a phone call to say there was a problem and came, had to come back in and do another 12 hours and stuff like that so by the time gh live went out i was kind of i was pretty much done um with the industry but yeah i mean it's it, it's a cool experience and um i think the industry is a lot different now i've still got friends who um work in a lot of the studios in Lemington, and things seem a, a little bit more balanced but i kind of yeah after eight years I, I was quite happy to leave the industry
0: yeah super interesting like um i'm trying to think so i Worked in digital marketing a little bit before I was. I was sort of shooting at the same time as well, but before I went sort of full time with, with the weddings, and um, so I'd go to some of the like you know these like meetups and creative you know nights out and pizza and beers and those kind of things at like places in Teesside. And I I don't know if someone had said like oh is there like games design studios in like Middlesbrough or Teesside like I don't think so. It's more of like say like Activision and big American companies and stuff. But yeah, there's loads of like these smaller mm-hmm. game design companies doing like amazing things and yeah some really interesting people and um yeah i'm I'm of the age where like guitar hero and you know the early call of duties and things were like you know my life for a while i think that was similar like, yeah. all my friends would all like go round to each other's houses and play guitar hero and i wasn't very good at it but it was yeah such a fun game so yeah i don't know is it like still a thing i don't know but yeah i like yeah really really enjoyed it but it's re- it's really interesting like a very different career that not many people kind of hear about i guess do you you get a lot of time off once something's launched because i'm trying to think of like you know working like 27 hour days obviously is insane and I'm trying to relate it to when's a little bit where i guess in the summer was sometimes back-to-back days and the long and you know like july and august september and people start to get burnt out but then oftentimes you know over the winter we can obviously recoup a little bit and you kind of you know rested and then you start again it's quite seasonal is that is that a similar thing then or is it like it do you, we just always have to work a lot constantly is it like straight to the next game
1: yeah so i mean the um it is pretty much straight into the next game the the crazy hours are t- t- they tend to be towards the end of a, a game development cycle you kind of yeah and and they're not like i mean that 27 hour shift was like just you know that's a crazy crazy day that doesn't happen every development sure. um but, you know, at the time, you know, there were people doing sort of 12, 14 hour days. Um, I knew a few people who ended up like sleeping under their desks. Yeah, it, it can be crazy. But, you know, normally, uh, at least where I was, you know, the studio isn't like 100 uh, percent manpower on that one game. They're kind of there's small sort of offshoots. Thinking about the next project whilst the other one's finishing, and but yeah, you do you do get a little bit of a dip and a little bit of sort of downtime just to kind of catch yourself and then start working on the next thing. And I've worked on game concepts that you know, several concepts that got binned and will never see the light of day. And yeah, it's just it's just a constantly sort of moving, evolving industry. And um but you know, it, it was cool to see it from the inside. I mean, I was I was a big gamer sort of growing up and like I said, like yourself, you know, sort of into the call of duty and guitar heroes and then getting to go and actually work on the guitar hero games and things like that. And, um, guitar hero live was done. Uh, I don't know if you saw it, it was like real life filmed as opposed to video game graphics. Mm-hmm. So we had actual sort of bands up and things like that. And we had a big film company from sort of London involved. And so I get to, I got to go to the, the, those, those, uh, live band shoots when the bands were sort of obviously miming to the tracks and stuff there's a couple of tracks on gh live where i've got a bit of a cameo where i'm actually the, the the sound mixer on the side of the stage so it's quite cool to kind of like see me in in video game um so yeah it was it was cool the the team when i joined got to go to hollywood f- uh, for the launch of guitar hero world tour so we got, we got flown out to L.A. and got to go to Hollywood and go to the, the launch party where they had like Smashing Pumpkins playing and DJ Jazzy Jeff. <laughs> um, so, yeah, it, it, for all the kind of like times of kind of just like craziness, there were a lot of cool times as well. And like I say, I, I'm glad to have experienced it, but I'm also quite glad
0: I'm not in that industry anymore. Yeah, you mentioned like another thing I think, on your website or Instagram post or something about obviously like mental health obviously is a big thing that you're like, you know, an advocate of and aware of and things like that. Does that play a part then in leaving that industry and and like the the crazy hours and stuff, or was it just a case of like you kind of felt like you'd done what you were doing there and what was the trans was the transition then directly from there to photography? Was there like a blurred path? Like what how did you go from like audio and bands and that kind of thing and game design to photography and more visual?
1: Mental health awareness is a big sort of thing that I'm passionate about, sort of talking about and and promoting. I've had a few sort of mental health problems over the years. in In my early twenties, I was diagnosed with clinical depression, which is more about chemical imbalances opposed to situation, um, you know, things happening, uh, happenstance that's created sort of like moments of depression. This was just it's a it's a it's the thing is how I'm my brain is wired and it's sort of you know peaks and troughs and generally manageable and obviously sort of uh smiling and stuff as best as I can but um mm-hmm. yeah so I'd, I'd, I'd had my first sort of major depressive episode in my early 20s uh which is when I first sort of spoke to the doctor and, and and got support and stuff and that was cool and uh what have you but during um during the development of GH Live I had a um quite a significant episode, which resulted in um, having a panic attack in the middle of work and um, which, you know, if, if if people who've had panic attacked, it, it's, it's very, very scary, um, especially if it's the first time you've had one. And I was also juggling um, my day work with also doing wedding bands. So I was out at the weekends up until God knows what time sort of playing playing weddings in a, in a working weddings in a different capacity and what have you. And was doing that for about four or five years. And yeah, it just kind of like it all just sort of came to this big sort of crescendo, if you like, uh, in 2015, where it kind of, it all just sort of like hit a, hit, hit a major episode. And um, yeah, I kind of started really sort of looking at where I was going, what I was doing, um, things like that. And that's actually when I, picked up a camera um I'd had zero not zero but like uh, no real interest in photography at that point and my wife bless her was like you know you need to find something else you know even if it's just a hobby just something that's not just uh you know the games industry and, and music and stuff like that something completely different but but fulfills a creative outlet so I thought I'll we were going, um, we were like a couple of months away from going to America. So I was like, okay, maybe, maybe I'll get a camera. Maybe I'll just have a bit of a play about. And that was a real kind of major chapter uh, in my life because of what that's kind of taken me uh, away from and, and given me now. And when we were in uh, New York, I saw an amazing exhibition and and, and um, of street photography. And that sort of really clicked with me and sort of, what i wanted because i i tried as i suspect most people do when they get a camera they they have a go at pretty much anything and i was rubbish at landscapes and wildlife photography and things like that i had no patience and um, yeah anyone that can do landscape photography well is uh, you know i take my hat off to you but yeah i tried it and cameras were falling off tripods and i was like <laughs> yeah this isn't for me um so i kind of i found street photography and um this was like long before i was doing weddings um and that that became basically the photography i wanted to do and i didn't realize it at the time but speaking to people people afterwards i was subconsciously uh practicing mindfulness because I was going out and I was kind of present in the moment I was outside I was getting fresh air I was basically doing lots of good things for my mental health without realizing it but I was also out doing um the photography that I was really enjoying at the time and I was getting a lot from so yeah photography has been a real life changer for me and I'm, I'm happy to say I've not had any major sort of mental health or depressive episodes since then um so yeah it's 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 had a a positive impact as a career but also on my mental health and um I did have a few people because I was still gigging in bands at the time and they were like oh you know have you thought about doing wedding photography having only experienced wedding photography in a more traditional sense from being in the band and stuff like that I was like hell no that doesn't appeal to me one bit the introvert in me is like I don't want to be a wedding photographer, and you know, taking charge of the day and all that kind of stuff. I, you know, I do not do not fancy that one bit. Um, but in 2016, I went to the photography show in Birmingham, and I saw a talk by Kevin Mullins on documentary wedding photography, and that was the first time I'd I'd heard of that genre and that approach. And uh, there was a real kind of moment of like, you know, wow, that's that's basically that's like street photography at weddings i'm like you know i love that i'm all over that 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 looks great i i would i would enjoy that because i mean as you know sort of being a part of a wedding you're getting all this cool sort of like happy emotions it's joyful and you're you get that to be a part of that and you get to feed off that and you come away like happy and buzzing and stuff from from working at a wedding so it's like you know this could be this could be a real thing for me because it kind of ticks lots of boxes that i'm i'm looking for from photography so yeah so 2016 um activision decided that guitar hero live hadn't sold that well compared to the budget and things like that so they basically said right we are we are gonna close the studio down if anyone wants voluntary redundancy put your hand up so my hand was straight up in the air i was like yep give it me um so I took voluntary redundancy in the April and then in the May I registered with, with the government with HMRC. Um and I've
0: been sort of working full time uh in photography since then. That's cool. It's an interesting kind of route in, isn't it? And I mean do you have it do you put things in place then for like now you're shooting weddings? to kind of help battle with any depression stuff, do you like, are you wary that like, I don't want to work too many, like any back to backs or too many in a certain week or X number a year or anything like that to not be overwhelmed? Or is it not an issue now that the weddings because of the environment and the shooting is obviously, I guess different to kind of playing in a band or other things before. Have you got, you know, is it just not a factor now really?
1: Um, I think, yeah. So since 2016, I've always done wedding work alongside, other photography work so i've not been doing like some people uh you know have had like crazy especially post covid have had crazy sort of numbers of weddings my 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 wedding numbers have always been on the lower side because i've always been doing other uh photography jobs on the side i used to i had two uh studios in leicester for a couple of years sort of doing headshots and portraits and and things like that so it was always kind of that kind of worked well because i was never putting i guess all my mental sort of stress and stuff into one thing so as one was kind of getting a bit crazy i'd have work doing something completely different and then that kind of then meant when i got back to doing weddings i was kind of like okay this is cool and stuff but i got to a point in 2019 i'd I'd done a few talks for sony cameras that's a couple of events talking about photography and things like that it started to become really apparent to me how passionate I was when I was talking about my wedding work compared to talking about my studio work and I had a bit of a kind of like maybe I should just focus on weddings maybe that's you know that's clearly what I'm passionate about and talking about and yeah I'm getting a bit bored of doing corporate headshots because it's just a bit unfulfilling creatively and what have you so yeah end of 2019 I closed my my last remaining studio in Leicester and was like right 2020 I am going to go full wedding and then we got hit by a global pandemic uh any weddings that I had for 2020 got either cancelled or postponed and I'd lost obviously my source of income from the studios so I was like how am I going to make some money so I um, tapped into some contacts that I had and started doing high-end real estate photography because that was opening up really really quickly post covid massively saved me sort of like it brought an income in straight away and that's been sort of basically working alongside the wedding work now ever since then um which is quite cool so like in the week i get to go and uh, photograph these incredible like multi-million pound properties and and doing videos and drones and stuff like that. And then at weekends doing weddings. But yeah, eventually I think obviously we were talking before we came on. Now my daughter is at school and she's just started school because my wife worked uh, full-time sort of office hours. Um, It's kind of like I've got the flexibility of being able to do school runs and school pickups, but obviously that then narrows my work time during the week and things like that so the kind of the goal now is over the next year to kind of start shifting the the balance to being just predominantly wedding work so that I've got the time in the week to spend with my daughter and uh, do all that kind of stuff I definitely think have I know from speaking to people at events photographers at events and on the podcast you know 2021 and 2022 were significantly busy years for photographers catching up on obviously what had happened in 2020 and the big thing that people talked about was burnout you know and just like finding that work-life balance and I think that's incredibly important for individuals for for mental health and things like that but also for their family and their loved ones and, and things like that you've got to it's so easy to chase the money because you don't know when it's going to stop coming in but you've also got to make sure you You prioritize your health, your family life, things like that. And there is there is a balance. And unfortunately, in this self-employed world and stuff, you know, there is always the threat that money could dry up. I'd rather know that I'd kind of like spent quality time with my family. um, And if needs be, I'll, you know, I'll go get a job if I have to. From a from a, a mental health point of view. Yeah, it's I think finding yeah the right amount couple of weddings a month um nobody wants to be working every weekend if they can help it Mm. but also like um I try I don't get much time now I still try and do street photography when I can because that's that's kind of like my self-care um and if I can't get out and shoot I'll at least I try and go for a walk um every night for at least 30 minutes and listen to podcasts listen to uh, music and things like that and just try and have like 30 minutes of just kind of downtime decompress things like that but yeah it it's amazing how it can sneak up on you if you're not careful and sort of like yeah and before you, you don't you don't see it or um sort of happening and before you know it yeah you, you could be sort of hit with a, a major mental health problem or burnout or you don't want to lose the passion for what you do because it's why you're doing it um so yeah yeah but find find ways and talk to people that's why going to all the amazing wedding photography events that happen sort of around the country and they're really good to go and be involved with because there's people there that understand what you're doing because they're doing it and they understand the repercussions of you know burnout and things like that and you've got people you can talk to and make friends and be involved in the community so there's there's lots of people out there that uh are more than happy to sort of chat and have a coffee or a beer and talk talk about the world
0: yeah no, i love that it's lots of good advice funnily enough i might have been at that photography show talk with kevin mullins in 2016 um, oh, yeah, i was at one i don't know because sometimes they will do a few don't they over the four days He might do the same talk a few times it might not be exactly the same one you were in but yeah i heard him chat at that show always been a big fan of his stuff and uh yeah yeah man I've been to talk photography show for a while. It's sort of been on and off, hasn't it, obviously, with COVID, and then they changed it, to moved it to, like, September and things, so I don't know what's what's going on with that at the minute. But, yeah, I was quite enjoyed it. I know Kevin used to do a lot of stuff with the Fuji stand, didn't he? So, I mean, always interesting. I know you mentioned Sony, so we'll not, you know, we won't harp on about Fuji too long. But, um, but yeah, that was, uh, yeah, so I might have seen you there, unknowingly. Yeah, there. yeah. Um, yeah, because I think that,
1: that Kevin Mullins one was his uh, turning pro, talk in one of the mm. the side rooms oh um, uh, yeah yeah that's right that I, mm-hmm. that I went to but uh yeah the photography cool. show is good i did um i did a couple of talk in 20 i think it was 2021 it's been so long but yeah mm-hmm. i did a couple of talks one on street photography and one on um wedding photography with a street photography mindset i know sort of uh, a lot of the guys that kind of work at the show and and some of the stands and things like that so yeah but yeah it's it 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 used to be in March, which kind of worked really well for yeah, it was nice. end of year, wedding season and stuff. And then obviously then because of COVID, they couldn't hold that one in the one that they had planned in March. And it got moved to um, September because they lost that date for the kind of the, some another show took over that March date and stuff. But I believe it's switching back to March
0: next year. I yeah think. i think that's right i was enjoying um, it. it was nice it was like saturday sunday Monday, tuesday So like you could you know obviously i'd always go on like a monday or the tuesday just because that you know obviously fits well with weddings or whatever It's quieter and but yeah I, was, I enjoyed it it was nice it was a good day out and street obviously things interesting like i was going to go out last night actually because they um obviously i do i live in durham not too far from newcastle and they played um at home at st james's park against paris saint germain last night and obviously battered them four one oh, cool which is, um, anyone who doesn't, not interested in football, but yeah, obviously it was in the Champions League, which Newcastle notoriously have been pretty bad re- over the last few, <laughs> I think it's literally been, I don't know, 10, 20 years or something ludicrous since they were actually in the Champions League previously. Um, obviously they weren't even in the Premier League for a while and they got bought and everything. So it's obviously quite big, it's huge that they're back in the Champions League now and playing, you know, big European team. So yeah, they had, um, yeah, they played them last night and it was a, obviously a fantastic game. Um, so, yeah, I had quite a few of my couples were there. I could see them on Instagram and they were saying, oh, the atmosphere was incredible. And so, yeah, I was going to go out and shoot a little bit, actually, but it was, it's late and the kids and, like, everything just kind of gets in the way, yeah, doesn't it? I mean, which is what I find a bit of a shame with some things because you mentioned about the passion and, like say, the more you shoot things kind of for work and the more you're doing them constantly, it just becomes sometimes, you know, I'm less like to take my camera out for other things, just personal projects and even with the family, and which is a real shame. So, yeah, I'm trying to be more conscious of that this year especially and then you know from next year onwards as well and just trying to do a few things like yeah more for me i guess and more like say just personal stuff that just you know keeps that passion there for photography which is why you know why most people get into it anyway yeah so yeah
1: yeah absolutely yeah yeah. street street photography is for 100 percent for me Mm -hmm. you know like it fits around when i can go out and do it and i'm not you know I'm not doing it because I'm anticipating making any money from it or um, even there's I've got hundreds of images that I've not posted on social media because it's you know it's not about that it's 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 just the act of street photography for me I just absolutely love Um, and it, it clearly has a positive effect on me so that's yeah but like like you say man it's just like trying to fit it in with everything else that we've got to do it's its tricky but yeah when i do go out i do i really enjoy it
0: yeah it's cool to have that i think that's important you were you entered the wedding industry awards last year you went in mm-hmm. for those and got region highly commended i did the same actually as the first time i've ever entered i hadn't really looked into it that much before and i think i just thought it was one of these kind of you know there's loads of them you know obviously especially in the north and probably everywhere i guess but there's always different ones where it's like, you know, you get random emails and you're saying, oh God, I'm not, it's just another like rubbish thing. Yeah, but yeah. then I think I was chatting to Patrick, um, Mattia, who mm-hmm. you've had obviously on your podcast. I've had on previously as well. And they, and yeah, and he was saying, oh yeah, he's judging like one year or whatever and stuff. And I was like, oh really? Like what, what what's it all about? He's like, yeah, yeah. Like they get, you know, I looked at the judging panels, obviously a lot of really good, you know, sort of photographers on there who judge the photography, you know, um, and stuff like that so i thought that's actually quite interesting and looking back at past winners and things like that you're like okay this is like a bit more legitimate sort of thing so i thought i'll enter for the first time last year and um yeah was quite good And the awards event was really good actually and i got regional highly commended and i thought this year i'll take a year out because i'm not you know like i've been super busy anyway and i thought i don't know what i could do better than last year almost you know like obviously hopefully my work's improved a bit or whatever but but yeah it was good but i'm gonna i'll probably enter again next year i guess and maybe try and just see you know, put a bit of time into that and see, but, um, but yeah, did you enjoy Like enjoy that? I mean, I mentioned it purely because obviously it's just closed. I think like yesterday or the day before. So, um, obviously that's now fresh, I guess, in a lot of people's minds for anyone who has entered. And then I guess the award ceremonies are all later this year. And then the, like the national one will be early next year, won't it? So, but yeah, did you like, did you find anything from that? Like, would you recommend it to photographers or?
1: Yeah. I mean, I think, I think for the, the small investment, I mean, it's not a lot. To enter it i think i was like you my friend did it the year before last year yeah he he got highly commended and and things like that i think it's a good way of promoting your brand it obviously helps with um seo and things like that it makes you a lot more visible um and it's also i think it's um really good for uh, couples looking for wedding photographers because that, they're probably going to be more aware of like the wedding industry awards than some of the other uh, award bodies that we uh, enter into. So it's almost like a like a vote of confidence more than anything. I I didn't go to any of the actual awards nights because I didn't expect to to win anything. So mm-hmm. yeah, I missed out on getting my highly commended on the night. But yeah, yeah, it's um, I mean I know patrick and holly sort of speak really highly
0: of it i think they were
1: national winners one year yeah i think like last in. year or
0: year before or something yeah and then started judging it after that yeah so they did really well Yeah, because
1: i think yeah they I, I believe they're judging
0: it again this year yeah that's right mm-hmm. um
1: but yeah i mean it's 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 certainly worth looking into um as a as a photographer and a supplier you know you get a directory listing which is which is really good for sort of visibility and if you are a a regional finalist and stuff like I say it just it just helps give that sort of uh, confidence to potential couples looking at your work if that's on their website they're going to feel maybe a bit more kind of uh, like I say uh, confident about asking you to to uh, to work their wedding but yeah I mean like I say I've not other than doing it last year and kind of not going to the awards I've not I've not done that much with it i feel a bit bad um but i've, I've entered again this year um, okay oh like cool say. yeah I've entered. that's
0: good mm-hmm.
1: um but yeah like i say just from a brand promotion i think it's a really good platform to do that and i know the guys at the wedding industry uh awards really sort of push it on social media and things like that so yeah, definitely. I definitely think it's all of these things are are worth are avenues worth exploring and seeing if they work for for you. And sometimes they do, sometimes they don't. You know, I've tried a few different wedding directories uh, over the years and some have worked, some have haven't, you know. So, so yeah, it's all about, uh, yeah, fi- finding the thing that uh, promotes you best
0: yeah exactly yeah, yeah i was really impressed with it when i did it and i like say i'll do it again next year i think just to, to have another go but um yeah well, well good luck for this year mate i'll uh thanks man keep an eye out what's what region are you in then what- west midlands okay cool nice yeah good oh i'll keep an eye out yeah thanks so much for your time man. i really appreciate it i want to just quickly chat a little bit for members only about the um about you know leads and marketing and um we'll dive in on a few other bits and pieces um so yeah if you are a member of top keeping it real uh, make sure you're using your link to listen and you can hear me and Alex chat a little bit more but um but yeah go and check out the to have and download podcast I'll link it all below latest episode of David Scholes is out now and I think there's six episodes up right and there's yeah lots of big names and um yeah some really interesting chat so yeah go and check that out if you haven't already and um, I'll link to your website and everything Alex is there anywhere else no, thanks man you want people to go find out about you uh no pretty much um
1: pretty much the website's got links to everything else so that'd be cool man appreciate it
0: yeah no worries and um yeah appreciate that mate we should um well i should finish congratulating you got tir award the other day i think it was yesterday they came out and you.
1: oh yeah that's good thanks man thanks yeah.
0: um we'll chat a bit about awards in a minute actually as well but yeah cool Um, let's end on um having pineapple pizza related note <laughs> so I, i'm a massive fan of having pineapple pizza it's my go-to but I can't have spicy things, so I feel like the jalapenos. We'd have to have half and half, and you could have half with like spicy things on, and I'd have half without. If that works, that's fine with me, man. That's cool. fine, but yeah, if you're feeling all, great. Try it. Yeah, right. thanks so much for your time, Max, mate, and I will. Uh, I'll see you soon. All right, thanks, pal. Really appreciate
1: it. Thanks for listening
0: to the podcast show. We hope that you did on top and go. Oh, halfway through the episode. We hope that you'll join us next time. That would be mighty fine. We love you. Bye-bye.